Alright guys, we're going in on the Tatarian Empire, and this is Richard Lopez. I've never checked this out before. I'm excited. Tyler Powers Radio there is presents. There dimension, beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. Or it is the middle ground between light mud flood and shadow, world. I don't know. between science and superstition. And it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call phone. the twilight zone. My phone got shook. Map, 1652. Everything voice. in yellow was under Tartarian control. 1652 people after that no one knows what happens was it a reset did the Tartarian Empire get too big wow you know you guys should see this map it's ridiculous Recently, you have probably heard me talking quite a bit about history, quite a bit about the lost nation of Tartaria, a nation that existed in Europe that nobody seems to know about. It's a nation that's been expunged, yet it still exists on many maps. Well, it still exists on many old maps anyway. It doesn't that's where we get tartar sauce from, y'all. Too many new maps, but you can still find it on old maps if you search for it. And it does appear to be quite a well-known and well-established nation. Of course, any academic sources that you question about this nation, they will simply tell you it was an area of land. It was never actually a nation. And yet, as I've also pointed out previously, we can find flags of this nation. And if it was just an area and not a nation, then it wouldn't have a flag. So it was, in fact, a nation and not simply an area of land. And there's every indication that it also spread out to become a worldwide civilization. This is very much suggested by the similar architecture in so many countries around the world, very old architecture, which is all very much the same. And this is what is termed Greco-Roman architecture. But one would ask, why would every country around the world be Have building the their government buildings using the same architecture? That's you find this everywhere. You find it all through the Americas. You find it through South America. You find it even in Japan and Australia. So why would they be using the same? These are all the buildings that we inherited. All these buildings that are in that same Greco-Roman style, those are the ones that they simply took the people that came in, you know, when, when it was like a bunch of kids and every, remember we were looking at the pictures and we were like, where are the adults? These were the buildings that uh, the new group came in, the next civilization, which is most likely us, inherited these all these buildings. Where did these buildings come from? And why are they all the same? It indicates that there was a worldwide civilization of commonality all over the world, which means it's possible that they all knew each other, that they traded, that the fashions were the same, and that they had uh, a, the same level of technology available. This is the whole world. So there was a, this is a worldwide I would say advanced civilization, at least as advanced as we are. That's the question. 
And even not just the architecture, but the symbolism, the motifs, the designs, even the clothing, the styles of clothing that people wear, these are all very similar all around the world. They may not seem that way when you first look at them on the surface, but when you really analyze things, you find that they all have a common root, which very much suggests that all of these nations, all of these cultures were all connected. And no matter how you look at it, this is very much what is indicated, ladies and gentlemen, and also through the discovery of a worldwide language, which was Maja, or the root language of Hungarian, which was spoken by the Incas, by the Polynesians, and also by all the Australian Aboriginals, and many cultures all around the world seem to have spoken this language. Polynesians, Melanesians, all of the island cultures seem to have spoken it. In fact, Maja seems to have been so common around the world that one might question if one were to apply Maja translations to some of the lost languages that we still can't figure out, such as the Rondo Rondo and things like this, perhaps we could find that there is a way of translating them if we use Maja. Who knows? It's just a thought. And something else you've heard me talk... They can talk do everything else with these quantum computers. Why don't they do that? Maybe they don't want to do that about a great deal is the evidence suggesting a worldwide mud flood that happened as recently as 150 to 200 years ago. As I've mentioned before, there's a Russian channel run by a man called Philip Druzinen who is covering this quite extensively and I do recommend you go and look at the research that he's done on this because it is quite compelling and you'll find that there is evidence of this mud flood that exists everywhere. I mean, it did happen, folks, and it was a physical flood, but it was not water and it was an event that covered virtually the entire world. We can find evidence of this flood across Europe, across the Americas, even here in Australia. And evidence of this flood appears as buildings that have a sub-level, a level below ground, and also as many of the buildings that look like they were carved into rock faces, look like they were carved into cliffs. There's a very real possibility that they weren't carved into the cliffs, but simply the cliffs flowed over them, or perhaps the cliffs even became molten around them. But however it happened and however it manifested, suffice to say there is a good deal of evidence to indicate that the mud flood is a very, very genuine event, and it's very likely that it occurred in the mid to late 1840s. And there's a lot of people who've been putting a lot of research into this and a lot of information is being uncovered about what has truly happened in the past. And our history appears to be very, very different to what the mainstream has taught us, to what we've learned in academic institutions, what we learned in schools. Wait, you mean everybody wasn't, there wasn't a bunch of brown hunter-gatherers just running around? In fact, none of what we are taught in schools of what our history is, is backed up by physical evidence. All the physical evidence says something quite different. And there may be some people that would debate that. They'd say, well, no, we've got a lot of physical evidence to support the official timeline. But really, when you look at the physical evidence, you can construct any story you want to make it sort of fit with the evidence. But you have to leave a great deal of it out, which is why there's so many great mysteries and anomalous objects and all the names they think up for all the things they can't explain. You know, and ultimately, folks, if there's one artifact that is out of place, then the official version is wrong. And there are literally hundreds of artifacts that are out of place, if the official version is to be believed at all. And again, these are all sort of listed as anomalous objects and great mysteries and all shrouded in secrecy and presented as something that we just don't know how they did it. But really, if you can face the very real possibility that they don't fit because the timeline and the history that we're given is completely wrong, then you begin to see a little bit of the bigger picture.
And it is wrong, folks. Our history is wrong. I have no qualms in saying that. It's completely wrong. Most of it has been completely fabricated, and I would suggest it has been done absolutely deliberately for a very specific reason. The question is, how did they do it? How did they erase history so effectively? And what really happened? Well, what evidence suggests really happened is, as I said, this mud flood. There was a flood that's gone across the entire world, and the mud flood... Because it is mud, it's not water, it appears to have come from the land itself. The question is, how did that occur? Was it a natural occurrence or was it simply done by somebody or something? And the other question is, of course, why can no one remember this? How has it been so effectively expunged from human memory and expunged from our history? Well, as I've said before, how long would it take to change history and hide history? And effectively, it would take three generations, but you could actually do it in one if you were to remove the older people. Well, most of the older people anyway, a high percentage of the population, just wipe them out and simply replace them with children. The children wouldn't know what history was, especially if they were children that have just been put in place after some sort of a cataclysm like a mud flood. And these children would believe any history that they were taught. The year was 1620. It was a normal day for me sitting on the beach, getting some sun, minding my own business, when lo and behold, along comes this boat. And can you believe it? As big as I am, it bumps into me. Ow! Who said that? I think it was the rock. The rock? Oh, whatever. Let's it's supposed to be Plymouth Rock. Let's get the flag, this. shall we? So-called historians are telling us that Tartaria is actually no country, but a name for land or nomad tribes that were known badly by cartographers until the 19th century. But in the 16th century, just few decades after the discovery of America, the same cartographer, they were able to map all of the main rivers of the jungle of South America as I showed you in the previous part of this video. So, Tartaria was a name for undiscovered areas of the North and Central Asia. On the screen at this moment, we can observe a series of maps made by the cartographer Abraham Ortelius. And I will use again his works, because I already proved in the previous part that his maps are considered genuine and authentic, by all of the historians. And as we can see on this particular work from 1592, Tartaria is actually pretty well mapped and known. There's all the rivers, uh, forests, towns. Actually, to me, Finland, it looks much less discovered than Tartaria. I don't think that is so difficult to see that uh, in the 16th century, those lands were pretty well known to the Western cartographer. The Encyclopedia Britannica, which is a very respected encyclopedia, was telling us about this unknown and uh, undiscovered land of nomad tribes already in 1771. Keeping in mind that today historians are assuring us that Tartaria was not a country and has never been a country so we don't need to study it at school. On the screen, I will show you that the encyclopedia was even mentioning the various 
types of Tartars. So, Tartary, a vast country in the northern part of Asia, bounded by Siberia on the north and west. This is called Great Tartary. So, also the Encyclopedia Britannica, 245 years ago, was clearly telling us that Tartaria was a vast country. But today, historians, they don't know about this small detail. It is just unreal. But let's continue. The Tartars, who lie south of Moscovy and Siberia, are those of uh, Astrakhan, Circassia and Dagestan, situated northwest. They have a very interesting look while he goes on about them. They look, this is just my personal opinion, that they appear to have many traits of like every race. They're not pale, they're, they're like brown, but they, they do have some of them light eyes. They kind of have Asian shape. They, they could look like an interesting mix. For example, on 9 August, 1944, the Central Committee of the Communist Party, sitting in Moscow, issued a directive ordering the party's Tartar Provincial Committee to proceed to a scientific revision of the history of Tartaria. To liquidate serious shortcomings and- You know what, actually? I'm actually gonna read you this. I'm gonna read you this uh, right now. Let's go into it. Uh, or let us take the matter of history, which along with religion, language and literature, constitute the core of a people's cultural heritage. Here again, the communists have interfered in a shameless manner. For example, on August 9, 1944, the Central Committee of the Communist Party sitting in Moscow issued a directive ordering the party's Tartar Provincial Committee to proceed to a scientific revision of the history of Tataria to liquidate serious shortcomings and mistakes of a nationalistic character committed by individual writers and historians in dealing with Tartar history. In other words, Tartar history was to be rewritten, let us be frank, was to be falsified in order to eliminate references to great Russian aggressions and to hide the facts of the real course of Tartar-Russian relations. And this was no isolated case. In every Muslim re area within the USSR, historians on orders of the Communist Party have rewritten history to distort the facts so that the Russians appear always in a good light. Needless to say, histories which present the facts truthfully have been withdrawn and destroyed so that the present and future generation of Muslims are forever denied the chance of learning the true facts of their nation's past. Wow, I'm, I'm really interested because in some of the videos that we've seen, they're saying that uh, some of the Tartarian information appears to be Christian. So it's interesting that, I mean, I know it's Muslim, but you know, all these texts are connected. So that's what's gonna be interesting to me is finding that out, um, how the religion plays into it. Their nation's past. You know, after watching John Levi, um, he did a video 
about these ancient maps. And, you know, under, you know, knowing and understanding that the earth is flat and motionless and, um, and understand the way how things work. He planted a lot of seeds in my head. It made me wanted to look into this a little bit deeper myself because I'm researching the history of Tartaria and trying to get a better understanding on what's going on. And there's a lot of clues. We just got to piece them together. And the people who are doing research on this, um, you know, are making strides into uncovering the truth. And there's stories that um, about Atlantis, okay? Um, I know some people think it's a uh, um, fairy tale or made up story or or something, but after looking at this into uh, a different perspective and now finding out new information and that there's stories that the Tartarians, okay, uh, supposedly fled from Atlantis, okay? And when we hear the sense of Atlantis, like, this looks like a big cymatic pattern, okay? You got mountains, right, that just formed, right? Right, because this is an intelligent design, right? So either the big, gigantic giants made these right? with their technology, right? Or it was something that the Heavenly Father, the creator of all things, made. So you even have these rivers that go, this would be north, okay? And it's literally like a rock or a mountain, like, you know, Shambhala. And this is Asia right here, okay? This would be under the Tartarian Empire. So, and if you, I guess what I'm trying to say is, this could have been Atlantis. I mean, think about it. You know, I'm not saying this is, but I'm not really saying I, I even think this, but it, if you're looking at it on a flat earth perspective, right, this is the North Pole. These are lands that are on ancient maps and are no longer on the maps today. So for some reason, these people fled, okay? They didn't even put anything on here. You know, I don't know, stay out, we'll come back. But these were the controllers are. 
you know, who knows? Is that why we're on a flat earth? It'd be much easier just to fly from here to there rather than go around, okay? No one flies over the North Pole. No one. Unless you are one of these people that are here. So here you have that's the same area, the North Pole, and it's not there anymore. So, and the story, what is the story about Atlantis? That it went underwater, right? Lost city underwater, right? Yeah, and they have you believe, oh, it's it's over here, it's over here, Atlantis. Oh, it's over here, stories. But maybe this is the biggest secret right here, okay? So this is the, the Tartarian Empire over here, okay? Tartarian Empire, right? This is the Tartarian Empire, okay? And this is North America right here. You know, and this is where they reign at one point in time. Military-wise, um, situation-wise, I mean, that would make sense. Okay, let's connect some dots. Right, because we could look at it on a flat earth, right? So, you know, maybe that was a bridge there, a land bridge there, so you can go here. I mean, by train or, I mean, we know they had ancient railroads, so. Um, or by ship, or even by air. I mean, <laughs> I mean we've been lied to about everything. I mean, there is evidence of ancient airports or something that looked like airports. Um, who knows? I question everything now. Um, I don't doubt everything. You know, we know they have weather-making machines. We know we can make snow. We know we can make ice. Did Was this frozen off for a reason? Okay. We know Antarctica is land underneath the ice. I mean, I've oftentimes thought about where there are more other lands. And the ancients of this place, the first people of this place were so damn advanced, they built the dome over us, okay? You might win a prison within a prison, right? Right? I mean, who knows? But that's just something to think about. So, SMAP. Made in 1892 by a cartographer, Diana Gleason. Map this place out. It's an official map. Go to USGS and find it. Okay? It's not a flat earth map, it's just a depiction of the earth. Okay? No convexity whatsoever to the surface of the earth. Go from Florida to New York, you drive across a flat plain. If you go back, 
from New York to Florida. He's driving across the floodplain. And so what I'm thinking is that they either hid this land, these lands are still here, okay? Or it is underwater. So I guess this guy, Corbin Dallas, I guess he wrote, he was doing some research on Tartaria. And he says, though, I don't think that Tartary was solely Muslim. It was rather a multi-religious and multicultural. One of the reasons I think so is the tremendous disparity between the leaders of Genghis Khan and Batu Khan. Timur, a.k.a. Tamerlane, looked like the contemporary artist versus the appearance attributed to them today. And they had a vast empire. Vast empire. So they had a mixture of Asian. I mean, look at our Indians, okay? So what I'm saying is, if we had a mud flood, right, and these people were there, I mean, people got wiped out, right? So people got to start back from over, right? Got kids, you know what I mean, whatever. Um, did they introduce the kids? I mean, who knows? But it's interesting that you really don't know how far the Indian um, culture goes back. And that's just a whole other topic, but it's interesting. So, and these people were all over. So they had an empire um, um, that stretched all the way to North America. So this is how, okay. Let's take a look at what the Tartars look like. Um, during my research, I found there were a, a, a lot of Caucasian. It was multicultural. It was multicultural. You know, That's multicultural. That'd be another reason why to hide a Tartaria. It was multicultural. It had everybody. That's what I It thought. was an empire. It was a country. You know? Some of them have some kinky, curly hair, I hate to tell you. He's showing the coins, the coins with the uh, the logo embossed on it. Some of the fashion. It, it looks like a winged horse. The Tartarians. I wonder if they built the Great Wall of China. Of brick making and masters at brick building. So what I'm saying is that. I don't think that this Great Wall of China is a thousand years old. I don't either. Not at all. And I think it was built in a much more recent time. Because everything about our history is a bunch of lies, right? And 
I really think that um, all the timelines they're giving us is a bunch of lies. Basically, from the top part of India, all across the northern borders, all the way to out here, because this is all Tartaria. So, so the Silk Road was the main artery, okay? So, and it went all the way to Persia. All the way out here to Egypt. Okay, so it's pretty clear. Them, you could we right? could follow you could look on a map and follow the Silk Road. And I think that all roads lead back to China. If you just listen to the piece I did yesterday on the ghost cities that are gonna be inhabited again. This is also in California. Are they headed back to these areas? That's what I'm wondering. Are they headed back to Tataria? It's basically an island. This is Nevada. Here's another map later on of North America under the Tartarian Empire. Kate Vitamin. I hate the music he's using. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna Late 1800s, as you can see on the Marco Polo, wearing Tartar's outfit. And the emblems in the background are those of Tartar. This uh, parasitic society behind the scene want is lowering the human consciousness. And us to think that it is thousands of years that there's wars and conflict that it is thousands of years that civilization after civilization, humans were fighting and killing each other. And the idea that until few centuries ago, there was a unified and peaceful society of the size of Tartaria was very disturbing for their agenda. So what they did, as with all of the rest of our history, was burning and destroy every proof and account Sounds like California. Society. The Tartars and the Tartarian Empire. 
are on all the, of the ancient maps, all the way up to the 1800s. You can find this evidence that this is the case. The Tartarian Empire left clues behind that suggest they was an advanced civilization. Advanced in engineering, architecture, technology, and communications. I mean, this is a worldwide cover-up we're talking about. We're talking about a concerted effort by the powers to be hiding one of the biggest empires in the world. More proof that the history we was taught is just a bunch of lies. More proof that they lied about everything and their explanations doesn't make sense. And the number one thing that people need to realize is if they lied about that, what else are they lying about? Are they lying about the future too? Are are they... We know that, that they wrote and altered portions of the Bible even though it says no one can add or take away. They put that in it to make sure we think that nobody did. But anyway, what if it's their scenario that they're putting in there and it's their plan and, and uh, you know... We're going along with the script. And I'm not just talking about the Bible. It could be any of the texts, any of the scenarios that they have laid out. They projected way in advance, like 1984 and all this stuff. They, we see, they tell us, oh, we're going to do this. They prepare us in the movies. You still have people that cannot draw a parallel between the films that we've gotten, sci-fi films, the conspiracy films, we were, I, it was in my phone, even though my phone uh, is gone, people that have access to my private channel, we were watching Three Days of Condor, and then yesterday, I just put on Capricorn One, which was made within three years of Three Days of Cor uh, Condor. So you can see that they're, they knew that there were people that suspected the truth. And then they put out the movies that addressed all the... I, I think a technique is emerging. Okay, I'm actually going to start a new uh, segment. Breast augmentation. We'll try a bunch that she's going to bring. I started off with nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. Like, I didn't have... I couldn't fill even an A bra, like nothing, and I was fully blot. Nothing. Nikki Carruthers is nothing. one of 10 million with breast implants worldwide, and the numbers are going up. Maybe I'll get bigger boobs. So I did. You see this right here? This is the programming that they got for the people. You see it? Well, but I, I don't know why people can't see it, man. All that they push on you is all minds. the fucking devil shit. That's what they do. These people right here, of course, they're going to come look like this. Trying to sell you the breast implant. They've been doing it for ages. It's over a $1 billion industry. Fueled by celebrities. Fueled by dudes. Right here, people. This is how they do it. Fueled by celebrities. Yes. The people Men that they push and pump upon you. So they can sell you shit. Program you to get whatever they got. There you go. Iggy Azalea. Going wow, the Iggy Azalea. This one right here. Wow. Deceiver. <laughs> I break this one down, but I'm telling you right now, this one right here tell you. This one tell you right here. 
that the most important thing this one says she have to do getting out the house is after duct tape put on a new face tell you straight up put on a new face and duct tape up every damn thing and it say take a long time there you go come out this one mouth right here it's a dry public about how Don't they got deny. their curves there you go tell you some blessing i love okay. them and i'm super happy i would do it again in a heartbeat it wasn't just one it was there's dozens and dozens like all the celebrities like uh kendra wilkinson there you go um, all man just remember i tell you watch this right here uh kendra wilkinson this right here you're kidding me wow there you go you've been influenced by man to get a breast implant you see it and, there you go um mm -hmm. holly like mm -hmm. all those shows that you watch yeah. like every single person with implants they're everywhere mm -hmm. that's yes, all i was looking at for years see you see what why that one just tell you the reason why actually she go get it done the reason because see all of those superstars on tv so-called have the slapping titties you understand of course they're pushing on the people there you go five Never years ago it. when she was 23 nikki mm, visited right a the money, of course. There private you go. clinic in winnipeg and paid 6300 dollars for they're everywhere wow. that's all i was looking at for years Listen to the coding. wow Five years ago, when so she was 23, Nikki visited a private clinic in Winnipeg mindless. and paid $6,300 for her silicone implants. Right on the money. Wow. And look at her shirt. Got the W and I told you about the same fucking leave that going around. There you go right there. I'll say Going from a 32 double A to a 32 triple D. But about a year ago, Nikki... And all of them have the same bed with the diamond on the sheet. Wow, is that a coincidence? Uh, wow, from... Wow, they called... A 32 double A to a 32 triple D. All 32. And what's this one on her finger right here? Wow. Cold-blooded cold. But about a year ago, Nikki began feeling sicker wow. and sicker without knowing why. Wow, so here. talk me through the list of symptoms that you've been experiencing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so liver tumor. Yeah. Uh, I have a cyst on my spleen, wow. H. pylori, uh, a gastritis, which is from the, H. the ulcer heartburn. disease, the acid reflux, oh, the heartburn, wow. um, bleeding for mm -hmm. three months. I was, I was vomiting mm -hmm. uncontrollably for an entire month. This mm -hmm. sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, I'm about, like, I'm only halfway done the list. Wow. She felt all alone until she finds this community online. Mm -hmm. It's unexplainable how much better I felt being there because I felt like, okay, I'm not losing my mind. I'm not an insane person. Like, all these people are going through the same thing. Some people worse. It's a, a support group, over 50,000 strong, dealing with ailments they call breast implant illness or syndrome. These women are medical orphans. Mm -hmm. Dr. Fang is a breast implant expert. She used to put them in. Now women from all over the world fly to her Ohio clinic to take mm -hmm. them out. Wow, it's an expert. Wow, a blessing plant expert. Wow, what the fuck is that? Wow, I don't know how you could convince somebody to put this in their body. This is a joke. You ask them what the fuck is inside of it. This is a joke. The capsule man. is the scar tissue. Yeah. It's become her specialty, Thanks. explanting implants. Wow. Some people don't even know wow. that wow. this could happen, that this constellation of symptoms and signs are related to the implants. There's no recognition of that in the scientific community. But are all adverse symptoms caused by breast implants? Mm -hmm. Yes. 
Yes. I'm pretty sure because those are the things that get better mm -hmm. when you take out the implant and mm -hmm. the capsules completely. Mm -hmm. The FDA says there's no evidence the illness exists, but See, they are... The FDA said that. The FDA said it. No, no. They can't confirm that the illness exists. Wow. Get your ass out of here. Of course it exists. No doubt. There's no way you could put no shit in you and don't have a side effect coming. It don't matter if it's a long term. It's coming. I'm not ruling going? out an association between these symptoms and breast implants, arguing more studies are needed. I never thought. More studies are needed. And look how long they do it. But the FDA, they still can't do no damn testing. Wow. You see how dumb this world is? They, all this time, they can't do no testing. Why? Why they do not do no testing? It's just easy to them to just do it. Why not? They're the FDA control all the shit that passed. There you go. And it was the breast implants that were making me sick. And around the world, women are speaking out. Why are all these weird things happening to my body? Hair loss, vertigo, shooting pains in my breast. Get these out of my body. Like, I don't want to feel sick again. Reporting other side effects they feel are linked to their implants. Side effects. All coded right there, V and E right there for your six three, no doubt. That's they feel they are linked to their implants. Every single thing, it just felt like torture on my chest. Pain, rupture, multiple surgeries. Apparently, my breast implant popped. Many say they. Breast implant popped. Wow, just like the ass implant, of course, no doubt, people. What is in that shit look like a balloon? What do you think? Wow. I have no idea what they were really buying into. If I had known this was even like a 0.1% chance, I never would have done it. It was made to seem like uh, getting a haircut. Like, go get a haircut, who cares? Like, everyone is doing it. <laughs> look, look at the sheet on the bed. It's the same sheet. Wow. Are I these guess people mindless? Wow. It wasn't a big deal. Didn't seem like a big deal at all. Oh, they did. No big deal. It's major surgery, and it's the doctor's job to ensure patients know all the risks. And that's why we're visiting clinics to find out how are they selling implants. We pick three Toronto surgeons who have a presence online. Dr. Kara. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Kara. Wow. You see oh, people, this is how they sell you it right here on YouTube, but look there. Look what he got in his hand. Why would you put this in your body? This is a damn joke. I don't get it. What is in it? What inside of it? They tell you what's in it? This is a joke. Wow. Dr. Rice. They just want to feel good Dr. about Rice. themselves. And Dr. Eugenberg. There's always up. Wow. And Dr. Wow. Look at him. What's on his shirt, people? Wow. A big old number six. Wow. There you go. Satanic people right here performing the satanic act. On the masses. There you you can go. burn. There's always. Watch this right here. Vagina hands. Woman at the sign right to your face. You see it? Stupid. Of course, there oh. First up, Dr. Kara. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's a man. It is the latest, best, and greatest implant ever made. He has an office in this Toronto building. Watching with us, Carrie Bowman, University of Toronto bioethicist. He evaluates doctors' ethical conduct, including how they communicate risks to patients. Kara's big sell online, 24-hour recovery. So how does it work? 24-hour recovery. Wow, there you go. 
slicing you and dicing you up and stuff something in your chest and 24 hours you're back? Of course not. 24 hours recovery because it's a whole. So there's no more discomfort. Do you have a video or something? Because I mean, I don't know that we can understand the whole study. Like, we're not doctors. You don't need to understand. That's what he said. You don't need to understand. We do this all the time. I mean, I can, yeah. And that that would worry me because you do need to understand. You really, really do need to understand. It's ethical. Why? It's also why why do I need to understand? You bring your ass down there trying to what? get it. Of course, he's trying to put money in his pocket to think he will convince you not to get it. Get your ass. The law. Someone's going to give you that nice slope. And Next, we ask, when's the soonest we can get into surgery? We hear 24 hours, four days, and then a few weeks. So what are the rules? There is no script plastic surgeons are supposed to follow. Ontario's College of Physicians and Surgeons says patients need appropriate time and information to make informed choices. It's all about consent. And you know, consent is not your signature on a piece of paper. Consent is the process that you see. Have I answered all of your questions? Do you fully understand and appreciate the content? Of course, from the person sign a signature, of course, they can send it. What do you think? Of course, no doubt. This is dumb shit. Not your signature on a piece of paper. Consent is the process that you see. Mm -hmm. Have I answered all of your questions? Do you fully understand and appreciate? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Next, we get yeah, our consent forms. We get them right away from Dr. Rice. Our consent form is very long. It's 10 pages. Mm -hmm. You're going to keep it home. Okay. You're Bowman says that's exactly what should happen. Same at Dr. Kara's clinic. I need to get you all the consent forms sent over so that you can review them. Hello. But at Dr. Eugenberg's, there seems to be a price to pay. So to book a day kid, you need to put $2,000 down to get in the calendar. Um, and then they send you a copious amount of information that really details the whole procedure, including what to do, what not to do. It's kind of a long Okay. Yeah, so would you able to send me the forms before I put the money down just so you can like send them to my mom to look over? I don't think I'm allowed to do that for some reason. Well, it's not good. I mean, consent forms should be available on request, and I would argue even before request. I mean, I, I'm not seeing any... Yeah, but at the end of the day, what you got to know, they've written it down, but you're never going to read it. It's written in five fine prints, but you're never going to read it. You're just going to sign it. Of course, they tell you you would die from it. No lies. And why they, they couldn't be you. made available online in advance. But I feel like I can't commit until I, like, know all the information, you know? like. But after asking repeatedly... Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. Like, the information is just, like, our protocol about how it works. Yeah, but that still feels, like, important, you know? Yeah. Is there any... Can you... I really yeah. want that. We get the forms without paying $2,000. When we asked Dr. Eugenberg about why we were initially asked to pay for consent forms... So they just walk around with these shit in their hand, and that's the fucking shit they go put in you? You need to wake up, people. There's no way you should put this in your body. I don't give a fuck. That can't be right. You understand? Can't be right. He says that there shouldn't have happened. It was a misunderstanding. He's playing and in the with future, it. he'll make sure there's no confusion. Consent forms can scare people. They could say this could happen. You know, there could be an infection. There could be this. There could be. And there's risk with all surgery.
but can you be that obsessed with titties i don't get it people this is a damn joke wow i told you man the mass has been programmed one way and they will never change you get it it's hard to change the people from what they already got in their brain they feel like that's a good thing they have some they have some little girls saying as soon as they get to 18 first thing they want for their birthday is a boob job you believe that that's how they program the masses right but that's here. no reason to hold back wow. on them most breast implant surgery is cosmetic 90 percent is done on women don't need it for medical reasons. Mm -hmm. So how many of them are developing mm -hmm. serious side effects? Mm -hmm. No one really knows because the government admits there is a chronic underreporting problem. Mm -hmm. Even so, we do know in 2018, there were 359 reported incidents related to breast implants, mm -hmm. the most ever reported to Health Canada in just one year. Mm -hmm. There you go. It's a society that desires big breasts mm -hmm. yes uh, but tell the people why none of these people never really hit the truth why not just hit the truth and tell them man it's a programming they put it in the masses head you're not getting it people and, and then they make fun of people that, that actually they're have not telling big you breasts. the truth they have to tell is it, you is it hilarious the fucking establishment push it on the people. people yes and it's a billion dollar fucking industry you need to know multi-billion dollar companies run this fucking breast implant shit you understand doctors multi-millionaires rich off it no doubt about it. they need to tell you it was the establishment that pushed it on the people making them wanting it and wanting it non-stop there's all your ball right, right there all of them are part of the damn trickery and the mass uh it's the the patient who uh mm -hmm. want to have yes. want to have mm -hmm. bigger breasts yes, to feel that they are some somebody, somebody worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Yes, and why? Why they have to have a big come from that. to feel like somebody that's worthwhile? I told you, it's all the TV. TV push this shit on you. All those characters they have on these reality shows. Yes, and, and every... isn't it funny that heavy, heavier set women with full breasts, they will try to fat shame you or make you feel unattractive. While they're telling all these men to get these breasts, and then they're gonna automatically, you know, that's what they're doing. Wake it up, y'all! It's a contradiction. It's hypocrisy. That's all they have. That's all they do. It. It's a programming, and they do call it programming. They never hide it. Wow. Uh, it's the surgeons that uh, want to do it and and makes a living doing it. It's a matter of demand. Nikki's problems became too much to bear. Despite no clear diagnosis, she believes it's her implants that are making her sick. Mm -hmm. So she decides to get them removed. Yeah, because what you gotta understand, people, what if it got a slow leak? Of course, you're gonna feel some type of effect on it. What if it got a slow leak? What they tell you in there, water? Of course not. Ask them what the fuck the gel substance in there and what's the consequence if it leaked out in your body. Of course, you go poison your ass. How are you down. feeling? I'm terrified. I'm really scared, but it has to be done. So I'm I'm excited, but also terrified, scared. I just have to hope I make it through the surgery, and hopefully this will help. That's a little titty that you slap in. That's bullshit. That afternoon, with our help, she takes home her implants. Uh, she take home her Let's implants. Take a look. 
This is bullshit. First of all, this one didn't have no damn implant to begin with. It's just bullshit. Never have no damn implant. There you go. It's like exploded. What you don't know about breast implants. Undercover at three Toronto clinics investigating how breast implants are sold. Nikki's implants are now in the hands of our expert. Meet chemist Pierre Blay. He has a business analyzing implants. Every time I seen this shit, I cringe, man. What the fuck is that? Wow. What the fuck is this, people? Wow. Y'all need to stop it, woman. You need to stop this shit right here. This is a joke. You'll end up cutting yourself up to push this in. Wow. That's, that don't make no sense, man. If you don't get it done, don't do it. Yes, if you already done it, well, you know, that's your bad. You already threw the gate with it, but this right here, don't ever do it. It's wrong. He has a business analyzing implants. You don't need no big For 50 kid. years, he's examined <laughs> over 15,000, warning people and governments of their potential dangers. It's an implant which has a very high probability of being mechanically faulty. These are Nikki's implants. Is that... A normal looking implant? That, no, that is not a normal looking implant. I look at it, I see it's turbid, it's kind of milky. Right. It shouldn't what does be. that tell you? It tells me that the inside has picked up liquid from the patient. Wow, wow. Do you hear that, people? Wow, do you hear that? He said the liquid in there is actually milky. Yes, it sucked some of, some of the human being that it was in. Yes, some of the, ma the matter of the human being get inside this bag right here. So you already know some of that shit get out inside that person. Of course, no doubt. It's absorbed part of her. Now, this represents probably about half of the implants we get. Now, the right side is the one that has a harder life. That looks nothing like the other implant. Nikki's doctor acknowledges there was a hole in the implant but tells us it looks like oh, this. What the fuck is that, <laughs> I don't I know. You, man, look at this right here. What is look that? At because of the explant wow. surgery. Wow. Blay oh has another God. theory. It broke into four parts, but it didn't occur at the same time. It started out at one place um, as she moved and uh, somehow uh, did her daily activity like writing or exercising. The break gradually spread really when you look at the instructions for use mm -hmm. for a product like this and all the competitors mm -hmm. it says a rupture may happen wow you see it told uh, it's not really right they should say a rupture what? will what? happen mm -hmm. it depends how long <laughs> Mm -hmm. Breast implant manufacturers say many studies over many years prove their products are safe. But Blay feels his experience examining thousands of implants proves otherwise. Okay, so what you got to understand, people, <laughs> I'm going to just let you know right here. You see these right here? What, where you think they come from? Just take one big guess <laughs> right now. Where you think these implants come from? Take a guess. Plastic? It come from China. You're saying, oh, China. China. That's how it is. They make them in China, send them to these doctors, they get them cheap, cheap labor, bam. Ugh. And there you go. Of course, they're never going to tell you 
what the fuck is inside of it. Of course, it's cheap labor, cheap fucking everything to make it. You understand? Of course, it go kill the bean. They get thousands and millions of them coming at a time, at a time. You understand? Yes, because the breast business, the breast implant, is a big business in America. They keep stuffing them with this gel-like symptom shit right here in a bag. Nothing but a plastic bag full of gel. Of course, the human being in trouble using that shit. Every implant will rupture at some point. Yeah, those that don't are exceptions. Wow. So are you saying that if women get breast implants, they should expect a revolving door of surgeries? Yes, a lifestyle, Mm -hmm. not an episode. Congratulations on your first step towards our 24-hour breast augmentation surgery. That's we just common sense, people. Common sense tell you that shit will pop in the human being body. Of course, ask our know. surgeons about how long implants will last. But first, we check out their websites. Here's Dr. Karas. What's the well, I see, I see very glamorous images of idealized kinds of women as opposed to you know, here's here's a medical intervention that we can offer you. Dr. Rice's site has a different feel. Dr. Rice would certainly come closest because he, his website and he himself is, is, is really saying with evidence-based, he's talking evidence, and I think that's a really, really good thing. And the risks are easy to find. It even says there will come a point in time that the implant will need to be replaced. Mm-hmm. And at Dr. Rice's clinic, his nurse seems to have a different message. Mm-hmm. Like, Am I going to have to get this redone in 10 years? Will I have to nope, so that's the old way of thinking, like, oh, you wow. have to change your implants. Wow. So what can you put in the human being body right there? Plastic and some gel, and it's going to sit there forever? Get out of here. 10 years, that's wow. the old way. Um, there's no expiry really on an implant. If they're intact and nothing's happened, then there's no reason to change them. It's true. There's no expiry date, but the FDA says up to 20% will need to get their implants removed within eight to 10 years. Tell the people doc- where, the, where they make those shit, the bag of gel, where they make it from. Tell the people. Kara's website under myths. It says you don't need to change your implants every 10 years, but in person, a mixed message. So there's no chance these are going to leave. Mm-hmm. So they will break. Mm-hmm. They will break in time. So in you know, maybe 10 years, 20 years. Because my human is But when these ones break, there hasn't shown to be an issue. Mm-hmm. If they don't spread around your body. Oh. They don't spread around your body, but the FDA states once the implant breaks, silicone gel can migrate to other parts of, of the course, body. Of course, that's just common sense, people. That's just common sense. You don't need no doctor to tell you that if it's pop, it can spread around. Of course, you should know. And it's hard to remove. Mm-hmm. On Dr. Eugenberg's website, it lists breast implant rupture as a risk. But then on his YouTube channel, we're going to be testing people around Toronto to see who could rupture it. We promise you it will. I told them around playing with them. It's the same damn thing they slap in and tell you it's a breast. Of course, it's right. Check out this video featuring his staff. Seems like implants are indestructible. Confused yet? Even in person, it's not clear cut. Yeah, okay. And how long like, do they last? Like, it's like, they could conceivably last you. They're guaranteed for your life. 
They rupture and will replace them for you for free. Unless <laughs> they kill um, you. Good God. Most women do replace them after children. You need a lift, you need something. But they could, you could conceivably have been for 25 years, 35 years, forever. Forever? Not according to the FDA and Health Canada. They state breast implants are not lifetime devices. The longer you have implants... Devices, it's a device. Wow. The more likely complications will occur. And when we continue asking about long-term risks, some mention breast implant illness. At Dr. Eugenberg's clinic... You hear about breast implant illness. Um, I've been here seven years. I have had one patient... Just eat ice cream. Well, you notice what you notice something? The doctor never gonna get it. You get it? The doctor never have a fucking boob job. You see it? All right. The first one, the, the, the Asian looking doctor, so called, never have it. Had a ball chest. Of course, never gonna get the implant. You see? Of course, they're smarter than the damn public. I'll hear about that. So I always believe where there's smoke, there's fire. Breast implant illness is not mentioned on Dr. Rice's website, and it doesn't come up in person when we ask about long-term risks. On Dr. Kara's website, under myths, it says there's no link between breast implants and autoimmune diseases. And I already told you, you can't expect the, the owner of the fucking product to tell you that it's wrong and it's damaging. Do I understand? Never gonna tell it's you it's risky to you use your own it. product. Of you course, know you're not gonna it's sell shark. Wow. Bad. Many researchers agree. You know they dismiss you know any link. It. You know it. Come on. And the whole world has to answer right now. Cause tell you what's good. It's bad. Oh no. That's his nurse. I don't ever want to say, you know, it's a psychological team, but a lot of the time it is. Different messages reflective of the debate about whether breast implant illness is real and whether doctors need to warn patients. An implant does not leave you unscratched. It's a permanent change to your anatomy and a permanent change to your physiology. But that should be made clear to a patient. The implant files continue on your marketplace. Breast implants. I'm really happy with the way they are. On the market for over 50 years. If you are a true woman, you want to look your best. And the risks? I don't feel I'm at risk at all, no. Get safe. Whoever come up with it said, said breast is sexy. I told you people, it's just TV pushing on the people. Of course, all of them basically back in the days on TV go show you it. Of course, Marilyn Monroe and them go pop up with it. Of course, that's how they push it on the masses. 100% safe. I have a new pair of Today, many people get the sales pitch online. This is what they look like 48 hours after my surgery. What are you getting for Christmas? New boobies! Full <laughs> testimonials. And some show up. Santa's bringing it in a sleigh! Oh no! Surgeon's website. That's dumb. Because it is a fucking promotion. They're selling the damn breast implant. Of course, they're never gonna tell the truth. Just like a damn commercial on TV. It's the same shit they use. YouTube to advertise his plastic surgery. That's how they do it with your doctor six. Dr. Eugenberg with one of his happy patients. I got my titties on. I got my titties on. Hey, I got my titties on. He's fucking dummies to advertise it. You see it? And the dummies that dumber than this one go take it and run. And they see this dummy right here dancing around. Got a new titties on. Oh! 
and on Dr. Rice's website, there's a glowing video review from a Toronto radio host. I would definitely recommend Dr. Rice. Yeah, and you probably... That's how they sell it. They have a whole lot of dummies that are going to buy it just because they see this one right here jump on it. You see it? That's how they do it. And you've probably noticed these before and after photos. Ontario's College of Physicians and Surgeons calls photos like these testimonials, same as these videos of patient experiences. After the surgery was done, I was... All I want my boobies is... And here's the thing. Testimonials are against the rules. Doctors aren't supposed to use them in ads, on their website, or on social media. What is the problem with testimonials? Because you may find patients out there who say it gives them more information about what this... fake. That's why. It's all fake. It's fake 100%. It's like a commercial. You get it? A commercial when people acting like they actually use the product. It's just a fucking commercial. That don't mean the people is real. You get it? Process could be like... It may, but testimonials get mixed up with clinical outcomes. So it's not a controlled clinical study. Uh, You don't know how people were selected for testimonials. And in many, but... Of course I know. You read enough of script right here. Of course you know. Watch your eyes. All cases, they are selected because they're going to say positive things. Bowman argues testimonials belong in marketing. They have no place in medicine because of the impact they can have on patients like Nikki. You see all these people, how happy they are. And you're just like, I just want to be like that person. So well, and then you keep shoving it in your face forever. I'm just like, okay, well, it's happy all- they are. What do you mean? Somebody make a video and you actually can see how happy they are. You need to wake your ass up. How commercial is tricky for the dumb people. They're selling you the product. Of course, they go look happy. They wow. say, like, why wouldn't I do it? Mm-hmm. In 2017, the college cautioned Dr. Kara for using before and after photos in a magazine. But they're still on his website. Mm-hmm. And for Dr. Eugenberg, mm-hmm. the allegations get more serious. He's charged with posting images of a patient online without her permission and pressuring her. That's the worst of that. That, that's not even half of the damn problem this one should have been in, okay? Not even the half. You're saying that he violated a whole lot of rules by putting up the before and after and have people dancing around doing a commercial for the damn breast implant. He's still allowed to do it. Get out of here. To follow and contribute to his social media accounts. Dr. Eugenberg denies all allegations. All you have to say you don't own the damn fucking social network. That's it. Hearing with the college is still pending. We ask all three surgeons <laughs> to come on camera, but they decline. Overall, our bioethicist believes Dr. Rice had the most medical approach. Bottom line, mixed messages on all our visits and on the websites. And mixed messages from the Ontario College. There are no clear rules about how plastic surgeons are supposed to communicate risk to patients. And they tell us doctors could be penalized for using testimonials. But are they really cracking down? Those ads? No, they're not going to crack down on nothing. We already know that. Are you kidding me? Let's get back in the chat a little bit. What's good, everybody? Yeah, that's crazy, man. I need to stay away from that implant. Yeah, you already know. Male get implants also. I already showed you them doing that. Muscle implant, calf implant, abs implant. The dumb as a box of rock if you slap in some abs, dude. Get out of here. Slap in a calf and some biceps. Uh, oh, yeah, guys are doing it, too. What's that? What's that? 
Yeah, see you when you catch me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of ladies. Lay a lady. Let's do <laughs> Yes, for sure. Yeah, 70 dude. Yeah, don't be late, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't need no no publicity from none of them. None of them. I'm good. Oh, you know what they're really trying to do? Yeah, trying to let me look like shield by wrapping up with a bunch of dumb shields. Yeah, that's what they do. Yeah, they're oh, trying no. to poison me. I'm not doing it. Yes, yeah, so it's hard, but I continue to bash them. Never gonna be friends with them, you know what I mean? But the problem is that this is what happens when your self-esteem, when when the whole society is telling people that your um, your whole self-esteem should be based on what other people think. You know, what was her main reason for getting them, even though common sense tells you. Common sense tells you. Why would you do? Why would you do it? If it could affect your health, it's all these other people got it. But does she know that like they had to do it to become reality stars? Does she know that it's mostly dudes doing it? And I'm sorry, but that does make a difference. Whether your breasts are big or small, that's not what makes you a woman. It really is not. It's attractive. I understand that. But we got to start valuing ourselves beyond what we look like. It's that simple. Anyway, that was Mag. He'll probably throw in a couple more F-bombs. Yeah. I put up a new channel just to bash those sodomites. <laughs> well, then. <laughs> yeah, you can find his I channel. I'm Zoo. He's got like three channels. He's got like uh, Mag Truth on the Run. He's got um, he's got it all. Um, so I say, check it out. I I hope there's nobody this Christmas getting new boobs, new parts. It's bad. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Color Powers Radio. Color Powers Radio. Wow, that's dramatic. You thought Lion King was dramatic. Okay, it's the ancient version of. Okay. It's special. This is New Earth. We're going into forget, forgotten ancient technologies, atmospheric electricity, the manas, and more. Page 22 of The Survivors. These pictures are blowing my mind. You've we got to subscribe to New Earth. Festival. It wouldn't look like anything special if there weren't a couple of uh, curious activities going on at this festival. For example, this installation which seems to produce some sort of light, but it's not uh, linear as it is with the properly depicted fireworks or the also very well depicted torches or smoke from gunfire, all of which are depicted with 
light spreading in a linear manner. Okay. The strange devices emit light in the same way as a Tesla coil does. Also, it would be very hard to explain what the chaps around are doing if we continue to believe that the known sources of light known to man at that time would be candles, simple torches, fireworks, things like that. What these two are doing doesn't seem to be much different from this modern Tesla coil entertainment. And indeed, the medieval illustrator did a very good job with the details. Do you notice that the swords are not straight? They are flame swords. In the various lands of Europe, similar names would be given. Flambert, Flammert, Flammenschwert, Flambergi. All of the names obviously pointing towards their main quality. They would make flame. And not just any flame, not like the flame of the fireworks or like the normal. Okay, so basically they're fighting with these swords that are in these different shapes. And uh, it appears that the swords are conductive of energy. So it kind of looks like Star Wars, that they're using these different shaped swords that probably conduct electricity in different ways, in different patterns, in terms of light and in terms of uh, energy. It's all about the waves, people, age of Aquarius. And I think that's what we're seeing here, atmospheric electricity. Maybe Tesla knew this stuff. Light, which goes in straight rays, but exactly Tesla coil style flame. They are manufactured till date, again for entertainment. They bear the same name and they look the same and probably even the technology behind them is probably similar as well. Lightsabers. Here the zigzag is not on the outside, but is still visible in the technical sketch showing the principle on which they work. Science, which stands behind the building of his home, or at least the metal part of his home. It has decided to limit its existence as far as the straw goes. In the same way, the modern man will sometimes walk into a church and this will hang above his head, but it will never strike him that it not only looks like some sort of a scientific model, but it also could have been used as a technical device with some very practical application. So it's this ball with all these shoots sticking out of it. Um, if you've ever seen that kind of, it's like a chandelier. That, that has uh, lines shooting out in all different directions like sun rays with little balls attached to the tips. And uh, remember when we first studied mud flood, they had, uh, when we were studying with uh, Conspiracy R Us on the top of the buildings, remember he pointed out to us all these kinds of uh, 
I don't know what you would call them. I thought they were weather vanes on the top of the buildings, uh, especially the, the buildings that look like the ancient Rome, Roman Greco style that, you know, was uniform all over the earth. And sometimes it said north, south, east, west in, in, on our buildings, but, um, it kind of looks like that kind of thing. It's not that, but it looks like, like these, uh, these kind of antennas that are on the tops of these, these houses. The well-known Christian cross. This is how it looked like. And if you're not satisfied because like the, the crescent is missing in the old cross, here I would offer to you a really good-looking crescent, exactly as they should be. Okay, so this has the crescent and the cross together. It really is looking like, I don't know, some of this religious stuff. I don't know if they're trying to move us all into one religion or if it was all one religion to begin with. I don't know. But that's definitely the crescent moon attached to the cross on the top of these buildings. Oh, we continue with this fully functional setup of the patent. We have a hanging metal element, which is, of course, present in the old temples as well. It looks like a filament, by the way, like a filament in a light bulb, hanging. And that's why in 1985, Shivkar Babuji Talpait built and flew an aircraft made of bamboo filled with liquid mercury, favorite ingredient of the alchemists. And yet the Shippopedia tells us that it was the Wright brothers, eight years later, who successfully flew the first. Okay, so they lied about that. Let's go back and just read exactly what this says. That there's like some kind of aircraft made from bamboo that uh, used utilized mercury as a power source. According to Velkar, Talpad's Marutsatka, was a cylindrical structure made of bamboo. The structure was apparently filled with liquid mercury. When the mercury reacted with sunlight, it released hydrogen. And because hydrogen is lighter than air, it helped the contraption fly. But the plane did not get very high or stay up too long. It rose to just a small height and crashed. So says Velcar, but that's an interesting, wow. That's an interesting way of doing it. And so we thought that the Wright brothers were the first ones to fly. This era, what Talpaid was making was based on the Vimanas, in modern words, UFO, UFOs, of the gods of the Vedic books, the principles behind which would be to elegantly and without pollution, take the freely available all-around energies. Well, what modern man is allowed to do is to only have access of polluting and centrally controlled sources of energy for the purpose. Okay, so they basically, she said, we're looking back into some of the Vedic texts, possibly the Indo, Indian, Indo, uh, originating texts and trying to uh, follow those principles to create um, vehicles of flight. 
but then they were using not so great sources or ways of providing energy uh, to make these things go. And I'm wondering why, why would they try to use the originals, the, what, what people originally used? Was there some kind of conspiracy to use these sources of energy to keep us energy dependent? Was that part of the plan as well? I'm just asking, thinking out loud of total enslavement by the use of artificial intelligence in the form of computer networks, which of course are centrally regulated again, which networks fully control what kind of uh, information the people have access to, along with the most practical aspects of life. For example, where can you go? Do you have access to certain countries or Areas is determined by an electronic device which reads a card or other form of identification which you have to present. The various branches of this centrally operated and regulated network also determine if you have the power to buy anything, if your credit or debit cards will function. When they really want to restrict somebody, they disable all that and he cannot buy anything he cannot rent a car to go anywhere or fuel his own or call anybody on the phone the simple bamboo and mercury manned aircraft of uh, shifkar babuji telpate would have been an option to become independent of this centrally managed by arti artificial intelligence system and that's why most people have never heard about it and that's why this branch of technology is not allowed in the civil sector here it we go so by design they did not want us using the avenues of free energy because it was a part of keeping control from day one people application is only allowed in the non-civil sector so interesting. If you're not familiar with the subject, I would recommend getting familiarized as soon as possible because with the speed with which they remove all unwanted information from outlets like YouTube, soon maybe even those images may not be available. Oh, let me read this to you guys. Science, the design of this vessel is taken from a text more than 1800 years old. The thing was upward in the aerodynamic tunnel, similar to a modern aircraft. So the information contained in the old text is really accurate. Where did ancient people get such knowledge? The text say from foreigners, which could be translated as beings from elsewhere, extraterrestrials possibly. So where did they get the technical specifications for manufacturing UFOs during the Second World War? Again, from Vedic sources, this is uh, one of the people who were employed in translating for them and making the Vedic concepts understandable because Sanskrit is very difficult to translate. And interestingly enough, surprisingly or maybe not surprisingly, 
If you search for the word Vimana in his official, quite long biography on Shippopedia, the search results are zero. All these intricate, endless carvings of the Vedic temples, actually they contain many Vimanas, but for a foreigner they might be somewhat hard to identify because they somewhat resemble small houses or some sort of uh, decorative pavilions. Here we've got a couple of uh, UFOs parked just like that in a broad daylight. I, I'd Many like to know where I've seen that picture a couple of times now and it's amazing. It's 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 reminding me of a couple of different things. God, if I knew where that picture was from putting stuff together, people were putting stuff Middle together or dome shaped towers or domes of the Vedic temples are actually entire huge Vimanas. It's not just my personal interpretation. This is what people were carving, depicting the god. It moves around with its uh, UFO, its air. Oh gosh, we should see this one picture right now. It's Vedic, a Vedic, okay? And it's, it looks like a brown skinned angel I don't, I don't know if she's Indian or not. She's brown. And she's got wings, but they're not huge. They're kind of small. And then she's got one of these, you know, what I'm calling weather vanes, the things that are on top of the buildings. She's got it on her. On her. She's wearing like an Indian version of an Amelia Earhart hat with something sticking up, the antenna sticking up. And it's, it's really interesting looking and uh wow that is incredible you know what i think this is just so amazing by the way when we think when we think of everything that's challenging us right now and things that could possibly make us fearful this is the positive this is the exciting part that we are getting to see and learn all of this stuff how amazing human beings are and then two that maybe there was a time where we were all connected and it wasn't about race. It was about a human civilization. And then they, they had shared all of this knowledge and it's just, I'm just in awe for this moment, just looking at this. And whoever the artist is, I'm seeing the humor. I'm seeing, uh, I wish that they had put the dates of some of this artwork on there because I can, sometimes when I look at art, I feel, I mean, everyone can, but everyone has their own interpretations, whatever. Something that I specifically do in terms of the intuition, intuitive talent that I have, it's like I can look at the art and then I can see the personality I can see the personality of the artist and it's almost like, uh, I don't know, is that Norman Rockwell? There's, there's a, um, there's a humor there. There's an, there's a, uh, there's something there that has me smiling. Uh, humanity, we are so beautiful. 
and we don't even know it. We only, we're, we're living like animals with these pressures, with the slavery on us, with the oppression. And that does bring out, you know, <laughs> the worst in us. I know I've been tested. But I'm telling you, this is what, this is, there's so much good that we are that we don't even know. There's so much good that we could still be and could still have. And when I look at this artwork, I can see that. Let's continue. And that's why it is the thing that you would uh, expect to be carved in a temple, the abode of the Lord. Here, Avimana in the blue skies, it's flying. It looks like a castle. So many books are included in the Vedic literature as such. And of course, there are so many mentions. Oh, I had some, I had another thought about that, about just the collective God. This sounds like another conversation. But there is something that I wanted to tell the collective that I'm thinking that maybe we were all one already and that they separated us so that we would not put it together. Into, I don't, when I say put it together, I don't mean hodgepodge it into one religion. I'm saying maybe everybody has a piece of the truth and then we have to look at it all to decide what's true for ourselves and, and what path we want to take. But it does seem to be all here in this Vedic uh, Indian uh, information. And maybe it's time for us in the West to start looking at this stuff. This is human history. And what I've known all, of, all along is that the, the, the truth that that substantive quality is always found in the art the imagination, the minds, the aspirations of the people is always in the artworks. You can see everything that they were and everything that they hoped to be because they drew it with what they revered. They drew it. And uh, this current picture that we're looking at, some of the beings are blue. And... Um, even in our current day stories, we have some characters that are blue, like in the X-Men or wherever. This is not this is not an accident. There were some people that were supposedly uh, of these other skin tones, blue and green. Um, from what I understand, and I will get the explanation of why people lost those skin colors, but um, we're looking at it and we think we think that so many things are figurative, figurative, and this picture, this this blue person with all these arms. I don't, I don't think it's Shiva. I'm not sure, certain, but it's on what looks like a dove with lit wings. And uh, were there creatures? Were there creatures that were part animal, part something divine, or something else? that were on the earth, we see it in all these statues. 
was that isolated to India? We saw it in we saw it in a lot of Greco stuff too, lions with wings. It's all in the art. Uh, for Vimanas, but one of them stands out, and that's Vimanika Shastra. Vimanika Shastra. Dictated in trance, it's called the Science of Aeronautics, part of his unknown work, Yantra Sarvasva, all about machines. Yantra Sarvasva, or all about machines. We gotta look at this stuff. Nearly 100 years ago, those who wrote it down claimed that the ancient rishis were simply dictating through them a very old text. Well, as people say, seeing is believing. The photographs of functional UFOs that we have from the Second World War, well, they're exactly like Rukmi Vimana, one of the models described in Vimanika Shastra. And by the way, something of very similar shape crashed, made a crash landing in Pennsylvania, Kecksburg, on December 9th, 1965. In the absolutely magnificent temple Shiranga Mandir in India, not only they have a pure gold Vimana, that's why the yellow is so bright. We are used to that mixed on pure gold, but in India people still use pure 24 karat gold and have made an entire Vimana representation from it. But apparently, according to reports of local people, while they were digging in the area, they found an old, genuine old, and still functioning Vimana, some 10 feet tall, in the underground chambers of the temple. The chamber is currently, of course, sealed. And for those who prefer a type of electricity which is uh, nearer to our modern way of uh, making it, that's also there in the Vedic scriptures, in Agastya Samhita, that's a very old compilation. A very practical and uh, simple setup is described with enough details so that everybody can build and many thousands in India have tested it and it worked. It's a place a well-cleaned copper plate on an earthenware vessel. Cover it first by copper, sul copper sulfate and then by moist sawdust. After that, put a mercury amalgamated zinc sheet on top of the sawdust to avoid polarization. The contact will produce an energy known by the twin name of Mitra Varuna. Water will be split by this current into pranavayu and udanavayu. A chain of 100 jars is said to give a very effective force. So this is like totally MacGyver stuff. You know, that it's all about ancient science. Simple as the famous, but that batteries. Batteries. Uh, 
of which I'm sure everybody has heard. And in addition, the sage Agastya talks about a chain of hundreds of them. So these people, they knew what they were doing. still function. It is not by chance that in the Tirumala Vinkateshvara temple in India, in Tirupati, they strictly monitor and don't allow any type of luggage inside so that nobody gets a chance to bring in any electronic device. Of course, cell phones and cameras are absolutely prohibited as well. And not just in the temple itself, the entire area seemed to affect electronic devices and common people are not given a chance to study what is this all about. Like, for example, at this stargate through which an incarnation of the Supreme Lord once entered our world, one is not allowed at all with or without luggage, it is just oh no. locked up because when the era of the electronic gadgets started, people started noticing that they behave erratically at the place. For example, a person with a pacemaker just passed out when this was still opened and he visited the spot. And as usual, the attention of the common people is distracted in this way. It's typical, this is how Wikipedia describes the Stargate. Ironically enough, Wikipedia tells the actual truth, but most people will not understand it and they did not intend it to be the truth when they wrote it. The thing is that anyway everything that is natural, including nature and earth, is actually supernatural. Another excellent example of still functional old technology would be probably the Somavati temple in Sri Lanka. It's a place with a record high number of UFO sightings, very well documented. Most probably it is uh, because the installation on the top of the temple, which includes a large crystal, is properly maintained according to the old rituals. Pneumatic trains, it sounds so futuristic, so high-tech. But people were using them century and a half ago in We're going to do part two of that because I got a phone call. <laughs> okay, here we go. We're, uh, we're looking into tunnels of forgotten ancient technologies. Here we go. And, but practically it cannot serve the masses, this pneumatic technology. The excuse is always the lack of funds. 
But what about all the enormous subsidies poured into the oil industry if they are directed towards cleaner technologies? There will be no lack of funds. So they closed down the luxurious pneumatic uh, underground in New York and later on built the underground tube the way we know it now. Look in what kind of carriages they put the people initially. This is such a downgrade from before. In London, it wasn't that luxurious as New York because they managed to stop the project at even earlier stage, but it was there as well. Depriving us of pneumatic trains was not the worst by far. The dirigibles, that type of transport, is not only many times cheaper than the airplane, it has many other advantages like smooth flight, it can offer very easily spacious cabins for scenic travel, also it is much safer than airplane travel as confirmed by the modern tests as well. But, since the parasitic forces want us to work like insane and use only century-controlled polluting technologies, what they did was they filled one of the biggest dirigibles in the time when they were still in use. They filled it with flammable gas instead of uh, helium, which they knew is the gas which should be put in the airship and this is the result they did not have to wait long for the tragedy to happen people died and after that the effective smear campaign started about how unsafe the dirigibles are and by killing people by emotionally traumatizing the masses of course they stopped the dirigibles the airships of course, there are still some dirigibles, even modern models. They are very good, they maneuver very well, they are very safe, economical, but since they are not accessible for the masses, the situation is under parasitic control, so they are okay with it. And how can they make such fools of us? It's very easy. When people watch TV, they enter a hypnotic state. Then the minds of the hypnotized masses are tuned with false suggestions according to the current agenda of the parasitic government which is in charge of the given sheeple. Let's take the electric cars as an example. Just see computer graphics, the green color and then they show you the electric plug and then many people think that electric cars are really eco-friendly. Well, what they do only is export pollution from the cities to the regions where the electric power stations. And even though they are not good by themselves, the electric cars are also slightly suppressed technology. The manufacturers still have some difficulties and... Uh, Petrol companies still receive those huge subsidies. 
So why the parasites are somewhat against electric cars as well? They are centrally controlled, they are polluting. Well, the thing is that it gets very close to the attention of many people. Well, why don't I hook up a solar panel and put it on the roof of the car? No, you're not allowed in many countries already. The laws are in place to forbid you to do that because you become independent, that is, against the parasitic plan. And many people raise these questions in forums and other places. And then we read these answers. You see, to add a solar panel would cost an extra 5,000 and the power generated from it would be so little that you will drive only 5 meters from it. So it's not uh, really uh, cost justified. That's why they don't manufacture them like that. And people buy this nonsense. Yes, some people believe this and even repeat it. While so many people drive their DIY cars and even cargo trucks on solar power only. Airplanes can go around the world on solar power only. And yet people believe these lies from the mass media that your car can go only 5 meters with solar power only. People with master's degrees in engineering believe that and I have asked them why do you think so and they always say I heard it on TV and I try to talk to them but you know that they always lie on TV why do you believe them about this the answer is yeah they lie about politics but this is not about TV this is science this is proven thing Not to even mention how many people have demonstrated again and again functioning models of cars powered by water. Usually such inventors disappear or get murdered rather fast. And all types of vehicles like this one, hybrid, magnetic or only magnetic, very rarely we would barely manage to hear about them before they disappear together with the company which manufactures them. The commercial models of very cheap solar cars are ready since decades. But no, there will be no mercy for us, at least in near future. As long as we collectively remain in this parasitic paradigm, the plan is to make us suffer more and more and thus lower our consciousness to animal level. That's why we have this artificially engineered financial crisis and many other things like for example the lab made terrible diseases which they try to spread all the time actually electric cars are not getting popular or introduced nowadays, there's something very old. Do you see the charging cable here? This one is from Detroit. And Paris, New York, most of the taxis were electrical. That's in the beginning of the 20th century. But one particular point I found like mind-blowing from this uh, old catalog for electric cars 
Babcock Electrics. So here you can make yourself familiar with the company and then various models along with their prices. 2200 3200 4000 and the surprise is towards the end of this catalog i can barely believe it but i'm showing you what it actually says 1244 mile tour on a single battery that's 2000 kilometers it's even shown on the map there is no like confusion with the decimal figures or something i mean the modern electric cars have a range of uh, 100 to 200 kilometers per charge is this some sort of different type of mile or am i confused about something bright future it says for whom I'm sure the parasites are laughing at us, rolling from laughter, falling from the chair when they see how easily we buy such shallow lies. Years ago I was in England and they banned with law many branches of uh, natural medicine on the grounds that one lady felt side effects, mild side effects from a kidney medicine and that was it. She was fine in a few days, there were no consequences, but on these grounds they made this legislation and the people bought it. Entire branches of the natural medicine were banned because of uh, that lady who felt slight side effects. And many people actually supported this ban because of dangerous stuff, you know? When we were so stupid, which God will have mercy on us? There is no shortage of modern inventions which would eliminate poverty in no time and would make prosperous life for everybody easily achievable. The only problem is that we, the people, choose the wrong leaders. We sabotage our own lives guided through hypnotic suggestions received from the TV. The fuel on which the entire tragedy runs is the excessive alcohol consumption, which was also introduced and is still now maintained by the parasitic forces. Yeah, the trams are also very interesting. They don't have these uh, things on the top like the usual trams. Uh, at least I have seen in my childhood they get uh, fed with electricity from the top. While these seem to get them from their rails or are they on batteries or atmospheric electricity? God knows. <laughs> Some men add fins to their cars without having uh, any special calculations from qualified engineers and so on and manage to save up to 25% fuel after installing such fins. So where are these international organizations and commissions who scream so loudly that they make everything 
to protect the environment, everything possible. They seem to be just another department of this preposterous scam, Farris, which is just uh, meant to keep us anchored within this paradigm because the parasites don't have the right to keep us by force. The only way is to make us believe ourselves and maintain this paradigm. Here, this man made a solar car himself. He cannot drive it at places. It's just against the law. So he pulled it manually through the banned areas with the hope to awaken the people. I don't know how successful was that because the people in general continue to vote for those very same politicians who work against the interest of those who elect them. And there are other type of politicians as well. Simply the people are too short-sighted to recognize them and to care to vote for them. When they were fabricating the official history, it was difficult to always remove all details and here and there something from the truth was left and one of them is the history of rockets in medieval times. They appear in the historic records that are available for us all of a sudden in the 17th century without any prior evolution at all in a ready-made form and moreover in a historic time when the need of um, Developing them was not yet there. The rockets of Alexander Zasyatko that were made a few centuries ago would fly six kilometers away and he was not the only one in England at the same time they would fly almost uh, for almost three kilometers. But what I find most astonishing is their modern looks and all this appeared supposedly without any prior evolution or at least we don't know how they appeared to be more precise. This image reflects more or less the standard picture that uh, we are presented of the English invasion in India. But those who like to read history books will find the following description of the battle that occurred when they attacked the kingdom of Hyder Ali in Mosul. He had a special division of rocket shooters that numbered some 1,200 men and they poured on the British rockets that were six kilos in weight and would fly for one kilometer. In 1650, Kazimierz Mionovich issues a very interesting book called Artismannaya Artilleria Ars Prima. So quite a few centuries ago, we have ready-made modern rockets. Exactly the same proportions, the same shape. And the most surprising for the modern or even shocking for the modern uh, rocket engineers are for example the nozzles they look exactly like the modern nozzles the same shape the same proportion the same size according to the body of the rocket but nowadays these nozzles they're calculated by 
high-level international teams of scientists who have uh, very complex formulas recently discovered. And yet we see the very same nozzles centuries ago. So again, the story doesn't uh, match very well. We are told that the laws of physics on which the calculations of the nozzles of the modern rockets are based were discovered just a couple of decades ago. Then how did they know what kind of nozzles to put centuries ago? Not to mention even that Kazmier Semyonovich says that uh, these are not rockets invented in his time. This is older stuff that he is just writing about. People knew about these nozzles and designs and aerodynamic shape even long before he compiled his book. This is a medieval image. He is holding a modern rocket. The famous Dendera light bulbs. And also, all these types of uh, buildings were always told they were places of worship based on their looks and the inscriptions found in them. But as far as the looks, they're not that different from those of some neoclassical electric substations or maybe the colorful decorations. You get that as well. Actually, most likely they were both temples and at the same time some sort of uh, power stations or substations. It's hard to say what kind of power exactly were they transmitting, but if it was electrical, probably it was not wired. The upper parts of this magnificent temple in India, the Ramapa temple, are made of uh, autoclaved aerated concrete, which according to the Penguinian history was invented in the 20th century. And yet this is a historic temple, officially dating to the 11th century. The stone of which the upper part is made doesn't only look like uh, aerated concrete. It definitely has all the proper properties of the aerated concrete. For example, it floats in water. 
So using aerated concrete instead of standard one gives various advantages, one of which is that it makes the buildings more earthquake resistant. Yeah, it's lighter, so less likely to collapse. But not all ancient and historic temples in India are built out of such concrete. The use of this material is not very common. Why did they decide to use it exactly at this location and only in the upper part of the mandir? Most likely, uh, they even saw in the future and knew what is about to happen to this temple. Just see how it looks inside. And all that is a result of a very violent earthquake. As if they knew what is about to come. accounts of ever-burning lights, lights which don't get distinguished by wind or rain, are quite few. It is simply too many of them and their descriptions are quite clear. The people knew what they were writing about to accept the mainstream explanation that People in those days were, of course, stupid and they didn't know what are they talking about. Also, there are countless uh, historic underground tunnels and cities and rocket ruins and so on. And also about them, there are quite few accounts that they had some sort of uh, lightning which we, we don't understand very well. There seem to be even modern accounts of uh, people who have uh, still seen that type of light functioning. Of course, the underground uh, ruins and worlds are quite easy to hide from the public and that's why we're not gonna find what is going on there anytime soon. At least as long as we continue with this way of life. It's not so much that some evil aliens or evil groups of people are restricting us in such a way. It is mostly our own ignorance. For example, let's return to those uh, magical swords, the medieval magic weapons, literally, because a lot of what they did was also due to the spells which they would usually put in them. So how did the spells work exactly will be probably a subject of another series of videos, maybe even longer than the entire survivors. But let's take even a basic thing. Before the warriors would go to fight, before a battle, they would always recharge their weapons by sticking them in the ground. And that wasn't some sort of a superstitious ritual, but something very practical. Those who are aware of the benefits of what we now call earthing will immediately understand that the technology that these 
fighters were using for charging their weapon is not much different than the technology we use now to recharge our mobile phones. But this was a common knowledge back then. Even common people knew how to connect to Earth and channel power directly. While what percentage of the modern population actually uses Earthing or understands well how it works? I guess less than one. we saw architectural elements in the design of the old churches and other old structures which suggested that they might have had something to do with atmospheric electricity. So what was this electricity used for? In the old temples including mosques and churches there were kind of uh, glass vessels hanging on metal elements attached to the ceiling. In Russia they were called Molochne Sharai, which means milk bowls. I don't know what was the western name, but uh, they were mentioned very often in the old Russian literature. Even some photos have survived of the last functional milk bowls. This is when they're lit up. But they are not the uh, oil lamps or some sort of candles, it's the liquid itself which glows. It may or may not be connected with the atmospheric electricity collected by the dome. And then here you can see them empty. As you can see, they, they are good-sized vessels. Although to us it may seem that they were kind of a lightning solution for the temples, this wasn't their main function, it seems, for the people who were using them at that time. According to contemporary sources, they were used for holy fire. Now, I personally don't really understand, was the holy fire from Jerusalem kept in such vessels? Was the liquid of the milk bowls activated by that holy fire? That special miracle fire with which people wash their beards and hands and faces and it doesn't burn them in the first few minutes after it appears in a miraculous way in Jerusalem. So are these vessels being lit up from that fire or was this uh, like a name used for any holy like sacred fire? Because the substances which were put in these vessels were also magical substances. They were sold in, um, as far as I understand, dedicated shops for such things. And um, there were quite few of them. But subsequently, with the church reforms, and as the church was uh, getting more and more divorced from its original mission to expand 
people's consciousness, they also uh, gradually removed or maybe even banned these uh, holifier vessels, the original function of which, besides lightning, was uh, apparently also to awaken like telepathic abilities, increase intuition, and in general widen the spectrum of perceivable reality around us. So as the churches and the temples were turning more and more into a tool of narrowing our consciousness, of course uh, such uh, simple devices were being replaced or maybe they made it gradually, maybe they were just um, diluting the substances which were put in the jars, adding colorants, all kinds of poisons and stuff, and they wouldn't work anymore. Electricity was used a lot in the past. Those who have invested interest in hiding the true history from us can very easily hide its usage simply because it didn't always involve this excessive wiring as it does nowadays. So the artifacts are not there, at least the artifacts that we would expect to find. For example, this is a very interesting video to chaps. One of them runs through the other 1 million volts. Don't try this at home, they know what they are doing. They did it safely, that's why they survived it. But the boy through whom they run the electric charge, he was doing all that stuff which we would describe as biblical miracles, like thunderbolts coming out of his fingers when he points at something, moving objects, light objects, with his uh, uh, remotely with his hands. In other words, the usage of electricity in deep antiquity remains mysterious for us. First of all, because the hardware involved was probably quite different, and mainly because its applications were quite different. People were using it for different things, they had different interests in life, they were more aware of the multidimensional nature of their own selves, the spectrum of the reality was much wider for them, and that's why when the limited uh, modern man tries to comprehend or understand what was going on, he will usually hit a wall. We will be unable to understand the practical aspects of their daily lives only after we learn how to see the universe through their eyes, through their mentality. By the way, in that video, his hair moves. It's very funny. It's not like the hair of the Medusa women from the International Space Station, which they spray with hair fix, and that's why it stays fixed in the same position through the entire pathetic hoax show. So in the beginning of the video, we saw architectural 
elements on top of the buildings, which resembled modern installations for collecting atmospheric electricity. But resembling and having functional installations are completely different things. So some of these buildings are pretty recent, were the people as close as a couple of hundred years ago using atmospheric electricity in their homes? Or were they just imitating ancient things without understanding their essence? And if it was just an imitation, then were the ancient prototypes functional then? Talking about historic atmospheric electricity, most people have heard about Nikola Tesla, but not much more. But in this 19th century book, we find information that actually these attempts to use atmospheric electricity were more or less always there. Chapter 10 of Basics of Meteorology and Climatology. The chapter gives an overview of the attempts to make use of the atmospheric electricity during the 18th and 19th centuries. Various setups were tested, including uh, metal rods put at high places, and even kites and balloons. I really like this illustration from this book. Every house has got its own balloon, feeding it with electricity. But most of all, I like this illustration. It is exactly in the chapter dealing with atmospheric electricity. And it illustrates in particular at what height it can be harvested most conveniently. Here they specifically explain how high churches can reach different layers of the atmosphere and how much atmospheric electricity can be collected at those levels. How many of the modern people are aware about this stuff? Not, not necessarily in relation to churches, what about the building in which they live in? And not only about the atmospheric electricity potential of that building, what about the electric wiring in the building itself that affects directly the health of the residents inside the building? We're going to split this Recently, in two parts. I, uh,